This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Good Thursday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme. As always, we love to hear from you either on topics we're discussing or if there's anything in particular you would like us to raise. I mentioned that uh, Black Friday is approaching tomorrow and then Cyber Monday is Monday and this is kind of the busiest time for online and there's so many offers but just make sure that they are genuine offers and we're trying to make sure everybody avoids as many of the scams that are out there as possible. So we will talk on the programme this morning about a new online safety tool. This is really, really clever. It's a way of checking websites before you actually put in any of your details and then, you know, by mistake, pass on all your banking details to uh, fraudsters. Uh, so Jim and Clannacilty heard me mentioning Black Friday and he said there's so much now and so much talk about Black Friday. It's almost becoming more popular than Good Friday in this uh, country. And Jim, I don't know if you feel that's a good thing or if it's a bad thing. And of course, Black Friday is tomorrow. It's the, it started in America. It's the day after Thanksgiving, and of course today is the um, is Thanksgiving in the states. So to any Americans listening to us, because I know it's a huge day for Americans, and for many Americans, it can even be bigger than Christmas. And I was watching some of the commentary online and on TV of the amount of people heading home. People head home to be together for Thanksgiving, uh, kind of similar to the way we like to head home for Christmas, but the Americans do it for Thanksgiving. So to any of our American listeners this morning, either listening across the pond or with us here in uh, Cork or further afield, we wish each and every one of you a very happy and a peaceful Thanksgiving. John Paul taking calls at 0818 103 103. Remember Larry in Kanturk contacted us during the week, he's, Larry's a wheelchair user and he went to a match in uh, Porky Rin. Now he said everything was fine. There was, um, when he arrived, he was told what gate to go to in order that it was wheelchair accessible. It was fine taking a wheelchair accessible area. Um, and on the way out, he decided that he'd go and use the bathroom before he headed back for the journey back to Kantark, only to discover that he was told there wasn't a wheelchair accessible toilet and he was quite taken aback by that and said he couldn't believe for a GAA grounds the size of Porky Rin that they wouldn't have a wheelchair accessible toilet. Now I thought that was a bit strange as well and we did promise Larry that we would get on to the GAA in Cork just to find out why and what happened on the day that Larry was there. Well they've come back to us to say we have temporary wheelchair toilets in 
Corky Rin for all of the games. But on the occasion when our Larry in Kenturk was there, the contractor had taken the toilet away to be cleaned and unfortunately it wasn't returned on time. The statement said that we, the GAA in Cork, as an organisation have always looked after wheelchair users. We supply wheelchair parking outside the stadium, easily accessible entrance to the stadium, toilets and dedicated wheelchair viewing in the stand. And they went on to apologise on this occasion but it was outside of their control. So it was just a bit unfortunate that it tied in with the contractor and I accept that these toilets have to be taken away and you want them scrupulously clean for everybody to use. But unfortunately it wasn't back in time when Larry needed to spend a penny. 0818103103. Flicking through the papers this morning, I have to say, I read this and thought, thought to myself, is this just a complete waste of time on behalf of the, the, the person or people behind it? It's to do with the forestry agency, Quilta, and the Department of Agriculture. It seems they have been bombarded by requests for information, which was, it, it just filed, they believe, making up false names because many of the characters, many of the names that are used on these applications are actually characters from Hollywood movies. The characters, for example, that have been played by the likes of Russell Crowe, Charlton Heston, Gene Hackman. So it's a bit of a movie buff here. Nick Nolte, Ed Harris, uh, Mickey Rourke. All of the names of the characters they played in movies have turned up in these requests for information. 130 of which were received by Quilta in a three-month period last year. Now, the Department of Agriculture also say it's much more troublesome here. They received more than 30,000 access to information on the environment requests. They're known as AIEs. So they got 30,000 of them last year. Now it relates to forestry matters, but they say many of them were submitted using the same name. And in one case or in a number of cases, the name Willy Wonka was actually put down as the person who was sending the email. Now it's unclear who is behind the requests, but the bizarre campaign has now gone all the way to the High Court because a High Court action has been taken and a referral of a legal question to the Court of Justice for the European Union in Luxembourg. So it's even leaving our courts and heading to the Court of Justice in Luxembourg. The High Court had been told that Quilta suspects the same individual is behind the requests, which has taken up obviously significant management time and resources because the requests are similar in type. They're similar in style. Kind of the same phrases are used in all of them, but they are sent from all different email uh, addresses. AIE requests must be responded to within four to eight weeks. But such was the unprecedented volume received that Quilta said that they had no prospect of dealing with them in that time frame. Now, Quilta initially replied, asking for a current home address for the applicant and confirmation of their actual name. But none of that information was forthcoming. So then they really started to suspect this is somebody who's making up names. They won't even tell us their real name and they won't give us an address. Now, as a result of that, the forestry agency decided then to reject the requests, deeming them simply to be invalid. However, the anonymous applicant are applicants. We don't know if there's more than one involved. They then appealed to the committee 
Commissioner for Environmental Information, who then found that Quilta weren't justified in treating the requests as invalid because it states they must respond to all requests. So Quilta then decided to issue proceedings challenging the Commissioner's decision. It said, as is Quilta, that it believed the requests were not designed to elicit environmental information, which is what the request should be about. And instead, Quilta feel it appears to be part of a wider campaign by persons, person or persons unknown for questionable, questify, questionable motives. So Justice Richard Humphreys, who was the judge that was hearing the matter in the High Court, said it had crossed his mind that rather than merely having a grudge against Quilta, the person involved might also be engaging in legal activism by hoping to stir up a dispute with a view to establishing a right then to make these requests anonymously so that, you know, if one day you don't, wouldn't even have to write Willy Wonka on it, you could put absolutely nothing on it. It could be a, an anonymous request and you still get the information. He said Quilta had pretty much identified the person involved as someone deeply versed in American cinema. One might have to beg forgiveness for wondering whether it would be at this point that one Colleen Rooney would enter the story to join the pieces in the way that seems to have stumped the professionals. Now, names in the request that have been used include, for example, Russell Price. Who was Russell Price? He was a character played by Nick Nolte in the 1983 film Under Fire. Also used was Alex Grazer. That was a character in the same movie who was played by Gene Hackman. The name Jack Callahan. That was a character played by Bill Bullman in the 1995 film While You Were Sleeping. Matt Garth has been used. That was a character played by Charlton Heston back in the 70s, a movie called Midway. Stanley White shared the same name as a character by Mickey Rourke in Year of the Dragon. Ben Wade is a name that was used. That was a character played by Russell Crowe. And Neil Diamond's character in the jazz singer Jess Robin, uh, that was also used. So Justice Humphreys said the case could not be decided on without first referring questions for the interpretation uh, in Europe and the Court of Justice there. And among issues raised by the judge was whether a requester is defined as a natural or legal person identified by their actual name and physical address or can it include an anonymous or a pseudonym name whose contact details are identified by email only. And it's so easy to set up multiple email accounts. But it just struck me when I, I smiled when I saw the judge call, calling on Colin Rooney to come in and try and sort it out. But it does look like it is a complete waste of time on behalf of the staff of Quilta and the Department of, of Agriculture. But you would just would wonder who is behind it and why and what is behind all of these bizarre data requests. On that bizarre Quilta story and the huge number of requests that have been sent in by a group or somebody on their own. We're not too sure but making up the names of it. Well, it seems to be characters from movies, uh, including, would you believe, Willy Wonka. Uh, Willy Wonka was looking for information from Quilta. I shouldn't laugh because it, it isn't funny for, it certainly isn't funny for the staff. Richard and Clannacilty says, I feel for anyone who is seeking any kind of information 
are looking to raise any kind of an issue with any government department or state agency, unless they give their full name, address, phone number and email, then those requests should simply be ignored. It's obvious that this person is just looking for information to stir trouble or simply just causing trouble for the organisation. And Marian Cantor says total waste of time. While genuine people then who are looking for information are having to wait. Why? Because the staff are dealing with all of these requests that are coming in and they don't appear to be genuine. They appear to be vexatious requests. Unless it has a full, proper name and address, they should ignore these people and stop the messing as the ordinary person again uh, loses out while others are waiting. But you see, I think the problem is because the rules uh, state that if somebody puts in one of these uh, requests that they must be answered within, was it six to uh, eight weeks. That's why it ended up uh, in the uh, High Court and uh, they're saying whether the legislation needs to change and the rules around it uh, needs to change because the the judge says that the anonymous applicant are applicants uh, were not justified. The Queens were not justified in treating the requests as inv- invalid when they pushed to look for a name and address. So maybe that the how how they decide who's going to get information and who's not, how that gets decided, I don't know, but that certainly needs to be looked at. Anyway, it's got to go all the way to Luxembourg. Again, more time will be spent on this. We'll keep you up to date. And thank you to a listener who's interested in the scam saying she's just received a text message saying, Hey, Dad, is that you? Uh, my phone's after breaking. Please message me. It's urgent. And then it actually has a link to uh, a WhatsApp message. And that's slightly different to the ones I've certainly been getting with the high mam ones. I haven't got a high dad one yet, but I've got the high mam ones. The phone is broken. And then they just say, can you, can you WhatsApp me on this particular number? But there's a direct link on that one. You click on the link and then you're into all kinds of uh, trouble. Uh, so thank you for sharing that with us. and glad to give it a mention just to let other people know. Oh, wait, one. 1803 103 lines open. Court today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at C103.ie. Can you talk to me? Cork today on C103. We are just over a month since Storm Babette caused catastrophic flooding in the town of Middleton. And according to up to 30 business owners, they're in limbo as insurance companies are stalling on payouts. Local TD James O'Connor is now calling on the insurance companies to resolve the issues and do it as quickly as possible. And James joins me. Good morning to you, James. Good morning, Patricia. I suppose, firstly, just to talk a little bit about the town, because I saw the Christmas lights uh, go on, and I know our own uh, John Paul was down at the official switching on of the Christmas lights. But just talk to me in general about Middleton and how it's recovered. Have most of the businesses reopened at this stage? So, yes, um, a good few businesses uh, have yet to reopen. um, But very, very um, positive, I suppose, is the fact that a lot of traders have got back on their feet as quickly as they possibly can. Um, on the first front is the government support that was made available. They were changed dramatically the week following the flooding. Um, the supports went uh, up to €100,000 maximum per, per business. 
Now, they are paid in different tranches, but the money for that started to flow about two weeks ago. Some businesses have yet to receive that support, but the good news is, is that a number of, of businesses have received it um, and that process is in motion. But unfortunately, Patricia, as you've said there in, in, in the prelude to the interview, um, there is a huge issue now occurring with businesses that actually had insurance for flooding and the insurance companies, and particularly AXA, have been dragging their heels and it's it's just so, you know, uh, repulsive, to be honest with you, after all of the hardship and the misery that has been caused by these floods and the devastation to Middleton. Um, you know, everybody down there has dealt with this with such dignity uh, and what's been so difficult, and it does continue to be because uh, wh while we're talking about the businesses here this morning, it's just worth giving one mention, and most importantly, to homes. So many homes are destroyed, and there are hundreds of homes around with very substantial damage awaiting builders to arrive and, and, and internally in these houses just to give people a, a visual idea of what we're talking about here but in terms of wood panelling inside in the walls of the houses many of those have been cut out so up to hip height in a lot of houses you can actually see straight through the walls on their ground floors um, and it's just heartbreaking, you know, it really, really is and that continues to be and a with huge the, difficulty yeah, and if, Even if people have their money uh, in and, and ready to go. It's trying to access builders, plumbers, electricians. And, and we know we, there is a shortage of tradespeople. Would I be right in saying, James, that some of those families might not get back into their homes before Christmas? Unfortunately, yes. And it's it's very hard. It's very hard. You know, I, I have been dealing with um, so many people um, for the past month who would normally never pick up the phone to ring a TD's office. And, you know, everybody rings a TD's office when they're in need. And there's so many families that, you know, they took great pride in getting on with life and keeping keep, keeping to themselves and doing their own thing. But to see so many people out working and, you know, elderly people that are on their own or in some way, you know, um, at risk or vulnerable, you know, and having the situation occur where their houses are gone, um, and they're not entitled to social housing support, to me, is just would break their heart because we have a few situations where people are actually homeless, um, oh, no. families that are, are homeless. And where are they and staying? they can't actually get there. They're staying staying with parents, um, you know, but they, they would have grown, they would have family, children that would be in their teenage years. Um, and we have a couple of situations around where that's occurred and they can't actually access um, any 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 emergency housing supports because they're beyond social housing thresholds. So that's, but would, would that's insur really... and uh, would their insurance cover them to to rent another property while their house has been done up? So specifically in this situation, um, we've families that that, that 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 a couple of them that have no insurance, or they had no flood insurance. So they're and, relying. You know, they're, just, they're relying on the state support. They are. And um, and and in some cases where where where, where no insurance is involved, there's a reduced payment available. But it, it is still it's still a difficulty where they're out of the homes and there is no housing support available for them. To be fair to Cork County Council, um, we haven't received any complaint to our office that, from their housing department as regards people who are in social housing or were in half accommodation that were flooded. Thankfully, we've received no complaint to my knowledge. Um, but it is that is to me um, also another side of it that coming into Christmas this is so difficult. So it's 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 the main street. It's 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 people in places in Mogili, in in, in places in in Killa, 
um, in Lee's Bridge um, and in other locations. You know, it's just so widespread. It, it, it was. It is very hard to come to terms. Yeah, uh, with and, this. and and the, the floods. The, the flood water goes down, and you know, at the time of the floods, it's all over the TV. We're talking about it on the radio. It's all in the newspapers. But then the the waters subside. And we forget about what's left behind. And th- and that's what we're talking about today. The devastation that's left behind and people trying to rebuild their lives. It really is. And, you know, yesterday's front page in the Examiner, um, you know, just shows that this, this, is, this is still six weeks later, is still a very live issue, a very emotive issue for people locally. And the insurance companies, you know, for those that actually had flood insurance, you know, there's been a terrible, terrible um, toing and froing for those business owners that have been just trying to get back up and running. And, and what Middleton are the insurance is- companies saying? I mean, it, it's, it seems to be a pretty clear cut case for a lot of those businesses. An assessor goes in, sees the damage and, and surely that's it. They get their money and they get on with doing what they want to do, which is opening their business. Well, to give one example, the storm grade was one Highlight one issue that was highlighted with me that there was a, a dispute around whether the storm babette was considered to be a storm sufficient for insurance cover through um through the insurance policies, and that to me seems mad because well, you who, know, decide, who, decides, who decides that it got named as a storm by Met Aaron. Correct, and that's that's that was one of the issues that arose that that they were saying oh it was not a red level a red level storm and we had to go in and check this and all of these processes they're taking weeks now unfortunately and. This just gives an indication of how heartless um, some of the approaches have been taken by some insurance companies. And the other issue as well, it's just important. I, I, I haven't forgotten it, just in case anyone is wondering, because I'm sure this is a, a very serious issue as well for quite a lot of people. And I've, I've raised it, is that those companies then, Patricia, that had an excess with their flood, their flood insurance. So let's just say they had an excess of 20,000, which would be quite common, mm. 15, 20,000, that, that scope. If they had damages under 20,000 or even over it, um, they're actually entitled to less support with the insurance policy for flooding than they are without it because of the scheme. And we have to be very careful about this. And I want to be very, very clear just with everybody and just give my own my own opinion on this, that people who are now in that position, obviously it would, it would, it would, it would obviously occur or appear to people that having no insurance would make you better off. Well, it would no, because of the government Red Cross fund. The, the, yes, because it's so extensive, and that's something we need to work on and and address. But I just wanted to say this: that it is worth referencing, as we were saying there, in relation to housing, it, for the homes that had no insurance. Obviously, depending on each policy, they may f- try and find alternative accommodation on a temporary basis. Just, just, just I think that that was the most heartbreaking thing of all: is that those that had no insurance of any shape or description. They're completely open and unprotected. And I, I just want to say that because, you know, there's a lot of people saying, what's the point in having insurance in the house? That Look, if we're going to get flooded, we don't get anything. But obviously there are some insurance policies that they may have, you know, a clause in there that they may provide accommodation for X amount of period of time till some attempt is made at, at getting the house back up. And, and the, the businesses, James, the businesses that did manage to have flood protection, I take it they paid very hefty premiums to get that. They certainly did. And, you know, the Chamber of Commerce in Middleton have been doing huge work with other um, local organisations that were set up following the flooding. Um, And, you know, between rates and between insurance bills, 
you know, there's very, very significant barriers to maintaining a business and keeping its door open. Um, and I, I have to say the spirit locally by the business owners, by the members of their team and their staff and everyone down in Middleton has been absolutely enormous. Um, and, and in other locations as well, I just want to just, just to say that we've obviously Ladies Bridge and Killa and other locations that got very badly flooded an inch. Um, and, you know, people there just want to get on with their lives. They want to get their doors open, to get people back in trading again. And I I have to say that it's been so such, I suppose, a positive to see the pace at which some businesses got back on their feet. But there are others that are in desperate need of support. And that's something we're fighting very hard for them here in Leinster House. OK, OK. And I know the community spirit down in East Cork was just off the Richter scale when this all happened. People were just so kind and so compassionate and, and helping out people they knew, but even helping out uh, total uh, strangers. It really was uh, it was fantastic. And as I said at the outset, I did see the Christmas lights going on in Middleton. So a big push now, James, as well, for people to shop locally this year. I mean, businesses needed more than ever this year. They really do. And I think people should try and think at our county towns, no matter where they are in the, in, in the county. And I know we've many brilliant, um, uh, brilliant shops in the city as well in Cork. But, you know, think of local traders and, and, and try, try if you can um, to give, give the, the, big, the, big, the big brands a skip and try and shop local. And I think there are such deserving people in, in Middleton and other locations that, that they need a break. It's been a tough year, utility bills and costs for households and for small businesses and where people can, I'd, I'd really encourage them to, to try and shop local. OK, all right. And just very finally, when we're on about house insurance, Jim, one of our listeners says, Patricia, I'm just wondering, has uh, Deputy James O'Connor and others uh, noticed the rise in house insurance premiums for both building and uh, contents? We don't live in an area that ha- has ever flooded. And to be honest, I've never had a claim. And yet it's shocking the increase in the renewal since last year. Some companies are quoting as much as a 75% increase. They're citing rebuilding costs as the major factor. People are already struggling uh, and now here comes along the home insurance companies putting the boot in at current prices. Some people will simply not be able to renew. And that's the big, thank you for that, Jim. That's the big danger, isn't it, James? We know that the premiums for house insurance has gone up and we know that that's exactly what what the the companies tell us. It's because of the rebuilding costs. But there is a danger that they'll make it so costly that some people will opt not to have house insurance. And it's a huge risk. We, we saw this happen with, with car insurance policies that when the costs went up, which they did, there was a huge increase in people that were not getting car insurance. But it is it's very, very important for me to say that this is an issue which we are acutely aware of. I think the, the consumer uh, the consumer protection, um, the consumer protection, I think the CCPC is the acronym for the organisation that have the remit over competition and, and consumer protection. And that organization, to me, is not doing enough. Like the, the cases they took on this year were daft. They got involved with things like the car parking at Dublin Airport and other issues, while other things like the rapid rise in fuel costs, the rapid rise in insurance costs, uh, and in other areas where you know there were very, very visible um, concerns being raised, potentially even abuses um, of consumers. And they need to be the core focus is to try and bring down costs for householders and for, for businesses as well. But obviously, that's where the most 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 important need is. But I do want to say to that gentleman um, that anyone that does not have house insurance, 
I know that it doesn't happen uh, very often, but when a fire occurs or something occurs where the insurance policy kicks in, it's just so, so important because the devastation left to a household without having insurance. I've seen it, Patricia. Yeah, and it you, is you don't want shocking. to face that. You don't want to face that. Listen, uh, James, I'm over on time. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning to you. That is... Uh, Cork East, Fianna Fáil Dáil Deputy uh, James O'Connor. A new online service uh, designed to prevent shoppers from becoming scammed has just been launched and not before time, I hear you cry. Check my link is a security tool built by Munster Technological University Cyber Skills in collaboration with Scam Advisor and Angarda Siakona and to explain how it all works I'm joined by uh, Dr Donna O'Shea who's Chair of Cybersecurity at MTU. Good morning to you Donna. Good morning, Patricia. And you're, you're welcome to the programme. Now, in the lead up to Christmas, would you expect to see a lot more cyber criminals active on the internet? Absolutely. I think this time of the year, um, cyber criminals try to exploit our natural behavioural response in becoming savvier with our money. And they try to exploit the fact that we're actually trying to seek bargains and sales and online shoppings. And cyber criminals know this. And in general, what they do is they try, they basically create fake websites that look very real and enticing people to take risk and purchasing online using these fake websites. And the goal basically of our check that cyberskills.ie service is to provide Irish consumers and businesses with another simple tool to use so they have more confidence when making online purchases. Um, and what we're saying to your listeners this morning is click and collect should now be check, click and collect. And we're urging your listeners to use Check the Cyber Skills at IE as an essential online step before making any purchase. And it's very important to note as well, Patricia, that this service can also be used to check a link that your listeners have received via email or text and make sure that it is a legitimate or a scam. OK, well done. So just outline how it works, how Check My Link works. Yeah, so it's really, really simple to use. And I think the best way to explain how it works is to demonstrate it with an example. Okay. Um, so last week, I received a text message saying that my bin payment was due. And this is a typical te- text message that you will receive from um, a cyber criminal. And I am very normally very suspicious when I receive text messages um, <laughs> with links in them. Um, but the reality was I knew I had an outstanding invoice for bin connection. And so I wasn't really sure if it was real or fake. So what I did was I opened up my web browser I typed in the URL, checked at cyberskills.ie. I copied the link from the text into the search bar and press return. And basically the algorithm um, in checked at cyberskills.ie generated a trust score, a rating and a report for the website. And the report indicated that the link and the website was fake. And so that gave me the confidence, um, you know, basically to check that it was fake or to check basically if a website is legitimate. And it also helped me to make the right choice when shopping online. Hold on. And then you just delete the, that particular text immediately. I just delete it. I, you don't yeah. even have to delete it. You can leave it on your phone, but you know it's fake. Um, and, you know, you can use this tool as well to check online websites. So when before making a purchase online, um, let's just say um, you're after finding an offer online for Taylor Swift tickets at a bargain price. Okay. Um, and you're not really sure and you're not really familiar with the website, all you have to do is open up your web browser and type in the name of the website. Um, and again, our algorithm will generate um, a trust score and report and rating for the website. Um, and it's very important as well to note that the algorithm that is used to generate um, this report is actually backed by Scam Advisor, which basically helps 3 million consumers each month to stay clear of scams and scam websites. And one of its key features is 
the website rater, which evaluates a website's trustworthiness. And the algorithm uses over 40 data sources and is constantly updated to, up, to determine a score. And the score and the full report are available to the users of Ireland's checked at cyber skills at IE service. Because if you did, and so God knows, uh, unfortunately, people do click on those links. When you do click on yeah. those websites, they can look like the real thing. Absolutely. And it's very, very easy to scrape a real website um, and to make it look real when, in fact, it's fake. And that's why it's so important to actually check the legitimacy um, and validity of that website. Because you can be easily fooled into thinking it's real when, in fact, it's not real. And this service is, is a free scam protection tool? It's absolutely free um, and it's available and it's live now. And it's also available in both English and Irish. OK, well done. Well done. Uh, and we know it's, it's the busiest week of the year because tomorrow is Black Friday. We have Cyber Monday yeah. on uh, Monday. People really need to be so careful. As you say, everyone is trying to bag that great deal and get, get, get a great uh, bargain. But if an offer is too good to be true, Donna, uh, it probably isn't true. I agree. And I think it's very it's a very complicated landscape that your listeners are dealing with at the moment. You know, there are so many different types of scams out there from romance scams to investment scams to shopping scams to extortion scams to employment scams, impersonization scams, package scams. And these are to name it, but a few. Yeah. And the average cost of these scams to the everyday listener and the everyday citizen is around 1700 euros. And scams are constantly evolving and new ones emerging in, in, in a daily basis. But a message that we're de- trying to deliver to people is that a common ingredient in all scams is that they generally use social engineering techniques and human behaviour techniques to target individuals. And, and this Christmas, scammers and Black Friday and Cyber Monday will attempt to exploit the fact that more of us are under pressure financially with increased energy costs and inflation and interest rates, meaning we've less money in our pockets. And we're also more likely to engage in risky behaviour, trying to secure this present or gift that we know our loved ones or relatives or, or, or whoever is closest to us really wants. So we yeah, need to be very cr- aware. They're, they're criminals. And, and Donna, the reason that they exist, they make a lot of money because unfortunately people fall for the scams. They do. They make an awful lot of money. Um, the cost of scams to every scam costs an Irish citizen on average about 1700 euros but on, on a yearly basis cyber criminal cyber, the, the cost of cyber um cyber criminals to the irish state is about a six billion so it's a really it's really a lucrative market and it's very very easy for cyber criminals um, to target individuals you know they, they send out loads of messages and it only takes a few people to respond to actually generate income for them yeah okay so the website is check.cyberskills.ie that's it. Okay, and check. And their website services. is now live and available. Well done. It's excellent. It's absolutely excellent. We were looking at it uh, yesterday here in the, in the office. Congratulations to all involved. And Donna, thank you for thank taking you. time out to talk to us today. You're welcome. Good morning to you. Bye bye. That is Dr. Donna O'Shea, who is chair of cybersecurity at MTU. Write that down. Keep it safe, and please, please use it and encourage other people in your households uh, to use it. Check dot cyberskills. 
ie. Just an update for Roger in Clashmore, who contacted us yesterday and was wondering if we could inquire with Cork County Council as to when the new Yall Library is due to be uh, constructed. And actually, Roger, in his email to us yesterday, was quite fulsome in his praise about our libraries. And he says, our libraries right across the city and county and their mighty staff are the nicest face of local authority. And he went on to talk about their services are top class, but he was wondering when is you all to get the new library. So we did get on to Cork County Council yesterday and they've just responded to us this morning uh, to confirm that the Yaw Library project is progressing and it is now at the early design stage of the project. So it hasn't been forgotten about. They are working at it and they're on the early design stage of the project and they will keep us updated. So I'm sure Roger in Clashmore will be glad to hear that. Now go from Cork County Council to Cork City Council because the City Council and the Gardaí have been urged to ramp up parking enforcement um, at weekends especially and this is to protect the vision of the new McCurtain Street area. The Labour councillor John Marr raised or issued the call ahead of the official opening of the McCurtain Street Public Transport Improvement Scheme and that's going to be done on Saturday by the Thonish Hall Martin but Labour councillor John Marr uh, joining me this morning. Good morning to you John. Good morning, Patricia. I'm, I'm very well, and you're welcome to the programme. I suppose, firstly, start just out, outline to listeners the new layout for McCurtain Street. Yeah, well, look, Patricia, this is part of a kind of, it's a four and a half billion investment in, and I suppose because with COVID, this is going back prior to COVID 2019 when it went out to public consultation, then we all know what happened with COVID. And I suppose in between the jigs and the reel, and then we came into to, to complications with designing of the street, but it actually extends to both Patrick's Quay, Anderson's Quay, Merchant's Quay, Wellington Road, Coburg Street, the N20 by Pa Johnson's and the Heineken Brewery. So while we, I suppose we'd be forgiven for thinking it's just McCartan Street, this is a, a massive uh, footprint that we've redesigned and redeveloped as a city council. But if fundamentally, McCartan Street now will be coming two-way um, and you'll, you, you'll get on to McCartan Street if you come over Brian Brew Bridge, onto Brian Brew Street, and by the Coliseum there are the Leisure Plex. Mm. You'll be able to take a left there that will bring you up McCurtain Street, and then you'll be able to go on through uh, Coburg Street and onto the N20, or you'll be able to swing around and go down through uh, Patrick's Bridge um, on the times that you're allowed go through Patrick Street. Oh, and, and, and I'm told two-way traffic on McCurtain Street, it hasn't been in place for half a century. It was the yeah, sixties. The eighties. No, thankfully I wasn't around then. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, yeah, nineteen sixty eight. And um, I, I suppose the what what the what what we believe and what the engineers have told us is that this will improve the frequency of the buses. It will allow public transport to move more freely um, across the city and navigate the city. And look, we all know where we're at with um, with the climate challenges. But I, I believe as well for the second city of uh, of the Republic is that we do need a public transport system that is world-class, that, that is frequent, that is reliable. And we need to do things like this to get to that point. And I know people can be frustrated with, uh, I use the bus myself, but I, I'm, I'm lucky, I'm privileged because I use on the weekends. So if I'm late for, if the bus is late for me, I miss out a point or I miss my grub by half an hour. I don't rely on it for work or for a hospital appointment or to get to school. And it's for those people that we really need the public transport system to work. 
and the works the works to the best of of its ability. So that's all well and good, and the official. Uh, opening is happening this weekend. But the problem that you want to cite is the issue of illegal parking. What's what's going on with illegal parking? Well, look, we spent, as I said, we spent four and a half million in the public realm and the, the improvements. And if one was to go down McCurtain Street, Coburg Street, Devonshire Street, Leitrim Street, Wellington Road, you know, uh, Patrick's Key, where we've the new cycle lane, regardless of where you go, now you could you could extend this across the city, but I, I'm I'm just focusing on the four and a half million investment at the moment because we're unveiling it on Saturday, and I'm just frustrated that the build up to the unveiling of it, uh, there's been real really bad habits developed, and my frustration now and my worry is is that this will continue because once you allow anybody, we're humans. If I get away with if you give me an inch, I am going to take a mile. Mm. I, that's, I, that's the way we're built. It's human nature. It's human it nature. Human nature. And, and I just believe now that we haven't been strong at enforcement and at tackling the issue. I see cars parked and I do. I applaud the drivers because I certainly wouldn't be able to manoeuvre my car into these spaces, but they do. Um, and we have cars everywhere now. Part of the, the, the vision for McCurtain Street was this outside dining, that experience of being in the city but enjoying the streetscape. However, no, I could have a coffee or I can have a pint or I can have my, my grub outside and it could be a car next to me with fumes just blowing into my into my food or to my coffee or to my pint. And that's not the vision that we have. And this is down to a behaviour that's been allowed to get away with. Now, Patricia, I park where I, where I need to, right? And I've been wrong. I'm not preaching to anyone. You know, I've been wrong and I've plenty of fines to prove that. But, I think we need to have the, the conversation is that we can't do that anymore. You know, it's wrong and it's holding up the buses. Again, if we go back to public transport, I, I, I got the bus last week and one bus was stuck after another because the, the bus bay was full of parked cars that were there not for five minutes, but they were there for quite a long time because I, I watched it, you know, such as the, the frustration that I have. And then what happens is that, oh, the city, this is what says, the city comes about this and the city comes about that. Well, it's fact, it's not. It's driver behaviour that's causing up the bus. And are you going so far as to say, uh, tow these cars away? I, I I would, yeah, absolutely. And I know that's that's a bit uh, that's a bit different, and it's a bit oh, what are yeah. you going to do? But I, I I'm just I'm, I I don't like what's next. Do we park our car on Partick Street in the middle of it just because I want to? Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, and that that is such the extent of. We have bus drivers being abused. I, I, I know it's been covered on, on several shows and on, on, on the Echo and through council when we met with Bus Aaron. We've been like, so we have, we have delivery drivers, men and women, out doing their job. They can't get in a loading bay because they're being, the loading bays are being abused. We have bus drivers providing a public service. They can't do their job because they're not allowed to pull into a designated bus, um, a designated bus stop. So I have no sympathy with somebody that throwing two fingers up to the city. And bear in mind, McCurtain Street has two official car parks. We'd say a Q car park and they have the Mexico car park. And then there's another kind of warehouse one that operates as well. Yeah, there, so, is, there is parking. It's just, I there think, is parking I there. I think people just get so lazy and people think it is their right if there's a parking space there and this famous one of I'm only going to be five minutes and they just abandon the car and think nothing of it and think nothing of the inconvenience they're causing to other people. Look, and, and, and by the way, guilty. 
you know, <laughs> I mean that category. I'm not, right. I'm not preaching here. Um, I guilty. You've done it I, in the past. I, I absolutely, I have. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, you know, I'd be a hypocrite. But but I think now, such is the importance and the design of that whole area that I explained from Anderson's Key to Merchant's Key to Partridge's Key to um, to to McCurtain Street, Coburg Street, Devonshire Street, Leeson Street, Wellington Road. It one one. It's it, it, there's a knock on effect. And while you might think, and that you're only, t- by the way, the cars that I see are not there for five minutes. Mm. They're there for hours. You know, and again, I can stand over that because in my own way, as sad as it is, I've watched it. And this is more than just five minutes and ten minutes, you know. Yeah, and I, and I know Owen English is writing about it in, in the Examiner today. And, and he went to Cork City Council to find out how many fines. And they said there's been 203 parking fines on McCurtain uh, Street for this year so far. And they show more than a quarter of the fines were for motorists who parked on the footpath. So about... Uh, 59 were issued uh, up to the 20th of uh, November. So you're kind of saying that that's, well, not I, an, that's not enough. Patricia, if I was there on Sunday night, which I was, I would have cleared that on Sunday night alone. And that, that, that's yeah. the and, it's, and it's weekends. It's certain times are worse than it others. It's, it's, we, it's, it's, it's weekends and eve, it's the minute the lights go off, you know, and unfortunately, and I made this point to, to city officials is that we don't operate in a city that works Monday to Friday nine to five anymore. We haven't for a long time, by the way. You know, we, we're a different we're a different city now, and we have been. And we need to we need to look at how we manage the city when it comes to enforcement and when it comes to and working with other stakeholders because the guardian can issue and um, can clear bus lanes and issue fines as well. So I mean, when we have a street now that is McCartan Street, that's the vibrant quarter for the city, that it, it's very it's, um, I suppose it's a lovely night out. Whether you're going to the Everyman, whether you're going for a pint, or whether you're going for food, you have you have many options. So we have a lot of people going there. So I'd imagine by default we would have the guard present. And if the guards are there, I'd be calling that we kill two birds with the one stone. Okay, I can see a lot of people are, are, are agreeing with you and somebody uh, goes further than just towing the car away. Simple solution to all of that illegal parking that Councillor John Maher is talking about. Impound the car and then charge the owner €2,000 to get their car back. They won't do it again, says one texter. Okay, listen, I'm conscious I'm watching the clock because I know you've got to be away, uh, John, and I appreciate you taking time out uh, to talk to us this morning. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Thanks, Good morning to you. Bye bye. That is Labour Cork City Councillor John Marr looking for more enforcement when it comes to uh, illegal parking. Somebody else says, Patricia, the problem is happening with the buses here in Charleville as well. The Councillor John Marr uh, outlined is happening in the city. It's happening in Charleville as well. It is just so dangerous. 0818103103. Our lines are open. Remember yesterday we were talking about the circular economy and we were talking about this new ruling that's going to come in. It's coming in from Europe, but it'll be brought into this uh, country as well, where all appliances and electronics and any other consumer goods will hopefully have a longer life. It's under a right to repair uh, regulation and it's research that was conducted for the European Commission and it found that we uh, members of the public as consumers, uh, we lose out almost €12 billion a year. Why? Because we're forced to buy replacements for goods that could have been repaired, but because there isn't the option 
election. So they're bringing in this new uh, directive and uh, MEPs voted overwhelmingly uh, to bring in these regulations, which will now oblige manufacturers to repair the products to do so within a reasonable uh, period of time and to re- promote that idea and that service uh, to customers. So it's certainly it's a good news to stop so many items going to landfill and it's, it's going to start firstly with the larger white goods, your washing machines, your fridges, your tumble dryers, your cookers. But eventually the directive is going to move on to the smaller items uh, like your smartphones, uh, for uh, example. Uh, so we're keeping a close eye on this and it's expected that the, the, the final details of the directive have to be agreed, but it's expected to be within the first half of next year. And I mentioned when I was talking about it that I remember growing up, we had a TV repairman who lived in our neighbourhood and you went down, you knocked on the door, you told him the messenger's TV was broken and the, this lovely gentleman um, used to come up and uh, take away the TV, fix it. And, and then and, and that TV lasted us for years and years and years. But well, we don't do that anymore. TV breaks. So what do we do? We just go straight out and uh, we buy another one. And we do our bit by, you know, putting it back in for recycling and hope and hope upon hope that all the bits do ultimately get recycled. Well, Michael in Mitchestown was listening, uh, particularly to me talking about the TV repairman. And Michael said it brought memories back to him because he remembers um, they, for many, many years, had a TV repair uh, man who used to come to their house as well. But he said the amazing thing is today, and we're constantly hearing about the circular economy and how certain of the younger generations don't seem to care about the world. However, uh, Michael says when he was growing up, this into the 90s and early noughties uh, with our own children. He said we had somebody who would come in and repair either the TV or other electrical items. For example, a local electrical shops that you could bring items to and they would fix them. However, over time, plastic was introduced into electronics and then the big retailers came into uh, Ireland from outside other countries in the noughties. The grocery aspect did a lot for people to be able to afford to eat. But the electrical stores, the larger electrical stores and the retailers starting to sell electrical goods, when they all opened, the knock-on effect was that they put many of the smaller electrical repairs shops out of business. Uh, Michael in Mitchestown says uh, that if he goes to a smaller retail TV store in a provincial town and if you go to a big multinational, often there's very little in the difference of the price. He's going back to the fact that we all need to uh, shop uh, local. And he says to those people that are harping on about the climate and blaming everyone, he said, don't start blaming today's uh, generation. Blame those who kept saying we need to progress and introduce plastic and big companies whose motto is when it breaks, dump it and go out and purchase a new one. Whereas previously an electrical item would have been uh, repaired. OK, thank you for that. That's from uh, Michael in uh, Mitchellstown, uh, who very much, I take it, is very happy with the fact that the European Commission is now getting involved and are going to force companies to promote the service to consumers to repair rather than replace. 0818 03, our lines are open. C103 Jobs. Tria Oil Products in Cora, they're recruiting for a business development representative to collect data and to expand sales. You can phone Patrick for more details 087 484 7643. Fimber Galvin Motors in Bandon, they've got a vacancy for a service advisor. Please send a cover letter and a CV to Anthony at fimbergalvin.ie. Charleville Community Care have a vacancy for a full-time general operative at the Garden Centre on Love Lane in Charleville. 
You can email CVs with a cover letter to charlevelcc at gmail.com or post them to the manager at the Charleville Community Care Love Lane in uh, Charleville. O'Flynn Footwear in Mallow are looking for a part-time sales assistant. It's to work three days per week, previous experience and some social media skills would be an advantage. CVs and a cover letter to Footwear at gmail.com. And the Travellers Rest in Cora have a vacancy for an experienced bartender, 87 136205. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Just on McCurtain Street and the problems with people illegally parking, according to City Councillor John Marr, and he wants better enforcement, would go so far as to say, tow the cars away. Tommy in Bally Villan was listening to Councillor John Marr and he agrees with him. Uh, he was driving in that area, particularly when the roadworks were going on in McCurtain Street, and he said, he couldn't get over the number of times he'd come across a car with the flashers on stopped in the left-hand lane. Traffic building up uh, around this uh, person and yes, the car was actually parked in the road. Uh, he said he remembers a few weeks ago he was on McCurtain Street and again three cars stopped all the flashers on massive delays uh, and on another n- night he was out for a meal uh, with his wife and friends and he saw cars parked again and he says it was causing huge delays buses were being caught up in the middle of these traffic jams and he said from what he could gather people were just stopped putting the flashers on waiting for somebody collecting somebody maybe to come out of a restaurant or or a pub he saw other people who were down collecting uh, takeaways but he said he just could not get over how ignorant some people can be that they feel they literally can stop in the middle of the street and once they A lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. They've got their flashers on. It's all okay. And to hell with all the traffic chaos they are talking about. Talk about self-entitlement. 
says our Tommy in Ballyvalan, who agrees with uh, John that we need to do something about uh, enforcement. Now, thank you for that, Tommy. I want to move to a completely different issue because John O'Donovan in the city joins me. Good morning to you, John. Uh, greetings from what we now call Lego London Cork. There's oh. so much cycling, so much pedestrianisation. Uh. It's now being rebranded as Lego Land. Uh. <laughs> and uh, is that a good thing or a bad thing in your opinion John? Well I think the obvious the, the obvi- obvious thing is that they want to drive the domestic car completely out of the city that you can't go from A to B unless you use public transport that's the object of the exercise everyone is saying that everyone can't be on Patricia And is that a green agenda? Oh at 100 billion percent yeah But is it not good for all of us to be able to get on a bus if you're lucky enough to be in the city and there are buses available? Is it not better to to take public transport? Is it not better for the environment if we get out of our cars? Well, I mean, you see, what's happening is, again, it's affecting the business workers. I know a lot of people in town. It's to drop off and collect. We say your husband drops you off, you ring him in a mobile phone. I'm coming over to Brown Thomas now. And he says, I'm coming down to Arctic City. I'll pick you up in two seconds. And you're gone. The drop off and the pick up, and you multiply that how many times a day, how many times a week, Patricia, that all adds up. And that's no gun. You can drop there for two seconds now and the world will be on top of you. Yeah, but in fairness, listening to John Marr and listening to that comment I read out there from the, the gentleman, Tommy, in, in Ballyvillan, I mean, putting on your flashers and just. You know, actually well, well, parking. Totally I mean, that's, that's crazy. Totally like wrong. you deserve to get towed away yeah. to do that. I mean, that's ridiculous. Absolutely. But there just needs to be. Yeah. Okay. But what you're yeah. saying is, somebody who's just pulling up and the wife is literally putting the hand on the car door and getting in. We should yeah. be allowing that to happen, but that can't should, happen. The, 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 no, the drop off and collect. I mean, and, that, and there's multiple of that on, on an hourly basis, yeah. daily basis, and that's. Like, that's affecting business. Like you know, because people can go elsewhere, no, for free park. Yeah, and it's the city centre stores that uh, lose out. Anyway, you're you're joining us about something completely different. That's just an aside. You're you're joining. You've contacted us, and this was over the announcement that was made yesterday that Katie Taylor is having a rematch with Chantelle Cameron, and Chantelle Cameron is the mm-hmm. undisputed super lightweight champion. And she, of course, gave uh, Katie Taylor her first professional loss uh, when she bet her in Dublin last mm-hmm. May, and they've decided now that there's going to be a rematch and I did see Chantelle Cameron make some statement that um, that she's going to finish her off or she's, what did she say I, I'm going in there full of spite and full of aggression knowing that I've just got to finish the job well, what a horrible statement for a female to make okay this is your issue this is your issue you don't like girls boxing I don't like men boxing either but they're okay. horrendous about women right and the very fact, the terminology, you know, that her opponent has just used there. Now, I know there's an awful lot of rhetoric goes on and build up to fight both male and female, like, I mean, it's part of the whole promotion, whatever. Like. But for a woman to be saying that, oh, that she's going to finish someone off, oh, she's gone into the fight with complete 100% aggression. Aggression means in boxing, you're going to beat the head off the opponent, right? The object of the exercise, when... People go into the ring, Patricia, and this is why I can't stand women's boxing things horrendous. So one must inflict as much damage on your opponent as you possibly can. So much so that if you win on points, you've scored so many times, or the third person in the ring, the referee, stops the fight because he deems it dangerous for the, the injured fighter that either there be life-altering injuries or, God forbid, worse. And you have people going into that stadium, right? There are tickets no bar for this. I will run out and get tickets, right? 
and they watch every night in our screens the ads for domestic violence. There's nobody sitting at a Scaly Taylor concert would condone domestic violence. No way. But why then would you pay a ticket and go in and watch two women batter the heads off each other and call that sport? Uh, yeah, you know, and it's the, of course, this is a huge money-making event as well, let's of be course, honest. Yeah. Money, money rules yeah. uh, this world, rules the world. Um, I, 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 yeah, listen, I, I have to hand on heart saying it, it is just my own personal opinion. I can't watch boxing. I certainly can't watch female boxing. I, I find it extremely difficult. And yep. if I was a parent of a girl who wanted to go into female boxing, I, I don't know how parents can sit and watch their much-loved yep. child, male or female. Well, and well that's the, another, another thing, like this idea of uh, Katie Taylor or anyone else uh, in female boxing uh, supposed to be some kind of a role model for women. I'm sorry, as I said, when I watch the domestic violence ads on TV, right, which are horrendous, right, and it's happening, unfortunately. It will happen tonight around this country. Some woman is going to be beaten or, or intimidated verbally, physically, whatever. It's happening every night behind closed doors. And yet you have people going in paying good money to sit down and watch two women beat the heads off each other, right? And they would be the first to condone domestic violence. Well, I suppose what but, will be said is that they are consenting adults. They are at the peak of their fitness. I mean, they these girls... Uh, train at uh, an enormous, uh, go to enormous lengths uh, to train to get to be at the peak of their performance. So they are consenting adults. They know what they're getting involved in. They've chosen this as a sport. You know, nobody's been forced into the ring. Well, there is that. But I mean, the thing is, I mean, uh, 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 kind of saying that they're role models. I don't believe they're role models. Like, I mean, look, if they want to fight behind those, those doors, whatever, like, but I can't understand, as I said, people that would condemn, uh, I mean, domestic violence, pin good money that they're earning every week to go and sit down and watch two women beat the heads up. And let's be honest, like, if one of the fighters is really getting uh, battered around the ring, like, you'll have people go cheering. I know. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's horrendous. Yeah, well, listen, uh, it's a good topic to raise. We'll see, particularly anybody listening who it comes, is from the boxing world and very much sees it as a sport. Um, I'd be interested in listeners' thoughts and, and comments uh, on it, but particularly on um, the females watching women and girls and you'll see them at the end. And, and I mean, I'm just looking at the publicity shots that they put out for mm-hmm. yesterday. I mean, they're two beautiful looking girls and you're yeah. just thinking, oh my God, what they look like at the end of the uh, fight. It's happening this weekend, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen it, Patricia, but I've seen in the city here over the years, I've seen girls, especially after drink or whatever, catching each other by the hair and tearing each can, other yeah, around plastic I've seen videos and, and I can't even, you know when videos go up on, on social media of, of girls fighting, I can't, I, I don't know what it is within me, yeah. I can't even watch it. I, I find I mean, it really, I really difficult. The, the, have you ever watched the MMA, the like around the road? Uh, no, no. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's even more horrifically. Yeah, yeah. These people are not role models to women, that's the point I'm making. And if you have campaigns about domestic violence and then you go and see something like this, you're a hypocrite. 
Okay, breathe in, Mallow says Patricia. Listening to your shows as usual. Thank you, Happy. Uh, I totally agree with uh, John, who who is speaking with you now. He is dead right. I hate boxing, but especially female boxers. There's just something wrong with uh, females going into the ring. Okay, all right. Let's see what others have to say on this. In the meantime, John, thanks for that and thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, John O'Donovan inside in uh, the city. Um, How do you feel about that female boxing? Is it a sport? You know, people are saying, look, it's a sport. Now, you know, I, I. I am using the point that um, they are consenting adults. Nobody's forcing Katie Taylor or Chantelle Cameron to get into the ring. And and I know a lot of that, what they, you know, they do at the press conference, a lot of it is, is banter and all of that and it's to hype it all up. But, you know, to hear one female say about another, you know, young woman, I'm going in there full of spite and full of aggression, knowing that I'm just going to finish the job. Oh, I just, I don't know what it is. It just doesn't suit me. I won't be watching it. I'll be the first one to say, and, and that's not taking from people who see it as a sport, but I just, there's something when it's females, it's as, I don't, I wouldn't watch male boxing either. I have to say, I do accept it's a sport and I do ex- accept these are wonderful, wonderful athletes who train so really hard uh, to be at the top of their game. And Katie Taylor is loved in this country and she is seen as a role model. But John is questioning what type of a role model is that for young girls? Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie. Today on C103. Okay, I can see a lot of uh, texts and commentary coming in reacting to uh, John and the Katie Taylor fight and I will get back to the, uh, to those comments, I promise. But I want to move on because I need to go to Bandingard, the station for this week's Garda File and uh, Garda Francis Murphy joins me. Good morning to you, Francis. Good morning, and, and you're very welcome and I know you're smothered at the moment with one of those colds that's doing the rounds, rounds at the moment. So, fingers crossed we'll get, we'll get through this. Now, you want to start with an incident that occurred... Uh, on the 11th of the 11th, so uh, the week before last. Uh, yes, Patricia, this incident occurred where um, the injured partner received an email from what he thought was a friend of his. So he reacted to the email. The friend stated that he was sick, couldn't leave the house due to an illness, um, and he requested that the, the injured party would get um, 300 euros worth of gift cards for him and send them on through email so unfortunately, he fell for it. He did as he was asked, and he is now at the loss of three hundred euro. It's a scam. It's a, a, the famous scam. As somebody today had a had a text message in purporting to be from her son, and of course she knew straight away that it was a scam. You've just got to be uh, so careful. And then a scooter undone deal. Yeah. Um. Unfortunately, I suppose today's main topic, Patricia, in general, is. Scams okay. that are doing the rounds coming up to Christmas, especially. In this case, the lady was after advertising a scooter on Dundee. Dundee is a legit company, we all know that. But the scammer had sent a link, looked for her details so they could transfer the money for the transaction. She unfortunately entered her details um, through the link and the scammer cleaned out her account. Um, now, in this case, I suppose, look, she had small enough quantity in her account I think 300 euros odd but you know she could have had a lot more money so she's now to the last of that Okay. and text messages doing the rounds lots of them at the moment lots of them Um, Vodafone is a big one at the moment you know it's huge I suppose one of the biggest ones at the moment where people are getting the message from Vodafone well 
you know, purporting to be from Vodafone, but they're not. Um, again, they're given a link into their bank details, and you know, there's been a, there's been a few incidents where, in one case, money has been taken from the account. In other cases, the the bank has copped it straight away, and you know, put a stop to it. But you know, I'll say, again say to people, you know, ring the phone shop, ring customer service, call in person into Vodafone. Don't take anything for granted through message. And of course, Amazon is extremely busy at the moment and uh, scammers are picking up on the fact that Amazon is so busy. Yeah, Amazon coming up to Christmas now, as I said, everyone is buying online and that's fine, but you have to be so safe. Um, again, there's phone calls going around purporting to be from Amazon. Um, in relation to one lady, she got um, a phone call you know, from someone saying they were from Amazon, she took it by their word. She transferred money to her Revolut card and she's now at a loss of the quantity of money as well. Okay, and the famous text that they keep changing the wording on it, but it's it's somebody pretending to be your son or daughter. Yes, and you just mentioned that there yeah. yourself, uh, Patricia. This is doing the rounds again and there's more and more young people, I suppose, immigrating to different countries, you know, that a lot more people are falling for it. They get a panic when they get this message from their son or daughter. But, you know, it's it's easy just to ask them to give them a quick call. Yeah. You know, most people can ring on Messenger and WhatsApp or for free of charge, you know, you know, if they're connected to the Wi-Fi. So do not accept any messages. Do not take them for granted and just ask for a call in person. And we've already this morning been talking about that new website that has uh, gone live, uh, check.cyberskills.ie, particularly in advance of tomorrow, Black Friday. People need to be really vigilant. They do. I mean, people get carried away, you know, coming up to Black Friday. They're trying to save money, especially with the cost of living and prices are rising on a daily basis. But, you know, there's an old saying, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. So be very vigilant. Don't get carried away with offers and just stay safe and take no chances or risks. Yeah, you can't get an iPhone, a brand new iPhone for 50 euro. It's a scam. Uh, so just ignore. OK, and just to finish off then, a little bit of positive uh, news. Um, the number of um, vehicles being stolen is down. Yeah, it's hugely decreased, thank God. Um, I would have mentioned this a few weeks ago about people keeping the keys in the ignition and locking up. You know, we're still encouraging people to practice this good practice. But across the southern West Cork, North Cork, the number of unauthorised taking has immensely dropped, which is great news. OK, and just one incident uh, that you're looking for help with, this is to do with quad bikes. Yes, there was one incident of where two quad bikes were taken from a, show, a shed in premises but again going back to the shed was unlocked the keys were left on the quads but thankfully the quads have been located okay but you can't leave keys in a quad and you certainly can't leave it in an unlocked shed listen um go in uh, mind yourself and hopefully you'll re- you'll recover from that um a cold that you have at the moment francis but we appreciate you talking to us today 
Thank you very Thank much. Thank you for that. Bye bye, Garda Francis Murphy, uh, based out of Bandon Garda Station. And a reminder tomorrow here at C103, we're doing our Christmas jumper day. We'll all be looking resplendent in our Christmas jumpers. And of course, we're doing it because we want to support the great work of Cork Simon, who are this year asking people uh, they need your help more than ever because unfortunately, there are so many people faced with homelessness. And you just don't want to think about a child facing homelessness, but that is the reality. Signing up is very easy, corksimon.ie and then you can decide to hold your Christmas jumper day. You don't have to do it tomorrow with us. You can have it any day you want. You can have it at work, at school. Uh, at home. You can even do it, I'm told, online. But we're asking you, please, this Christmas to raise funds for Cork Simon with uh, C103. Now, I know people are struggling at the moment with bills coming in and all of that, and I'm very aware of that um, when I'm talking about supporting the great work of uh, Simon. Uh, But a lot of people are very worried about electricity bills coming in and gas bills coming in. And Jeannie, one of our listeners, has just gone on to us to say that her electricity bill has just arrived and it's actually bigger than the last one. And I think for a lot of people, we are going to expect quite hefty electricity bills because when you look at it, the last two months, a bill arriving today will be for October and November. And they're kind of the darker months when lights are on more, heating might be on uh, more. We have had, luckily, we've had quite a mild uh, spell, but we know electricity costs have have gone up. But anyway, Jeannie's in a bit of a bother about her bill because she said, I thought we were getting the €150 from the current bill. Do you know anything about it? Uh, please, I do. Uh, I can. Your bill has just arrived early. That is the problem. The the hundred and fifty euro. Well, there's three one hundred and fifty euros. They were announced in the October budget, and they are going to be paid out in three instalments of one hundred and fifty. The first instalment will be paid out uh, between the first of December and the thirty first of December. Instalment number two hundred and fifty euro. First of January, thirty first of January, and the third instalment first of March to the thirty first of March. So what's happened in your case, Jeannie? is your bill has just arrived a little bit early. Now, what we are told is that the, the, the credits and the way the credits are done, it depends on the date that your supplier normally sends your bill. And because your bill has come out in November, not in December, your credit hasn't appeared. You will get the credit. You're just not going to get it for this bill. The only thing is, I don't know when you have to pay. If that bill has been issued today, there's normally three weeks, isn't there, on most bills when you have to have it paid. So maybe by the time payment comes through the credit will be in your account and seemingly and I don't know which electricity utility company Genie is is using but I'm told thanks to the great work of Citizens Information on their website that information on all of the different utilities websites give the exact dates that the credit is going to show um, uh, people's customer bills but the first one is not due until the 1st of December which of course is uh, next week and by the way it's worth mentioning this now before those credits start to arrive because it happened last year when we were getting 200 euro energy credits the amount to people who contact just to say I didn't get the full 200 euro I got 180 something Uh, what will appear on your bill this time uh, will be I mean the words uh, energy credit will be on it but the figure credit line you'll see a credit line on your bill and the amount will be 137 euro and 61 cent now that works out at 150 because that is added on to that so the total will be 150 euro but on the actual credit line of your 
bill, it'll say €137.61. And by the way, seeing as we've been talking about scams earlier on today, there is a scam text doing the rounds at the moment, telling people that they have to claim their energy credit. It is purporting to come from gov.ie. That is an absolute scam. The government is not offering any such scheme. And for people who are eligible for the electricity credit that's coming from the 1st of December, you don't have to do anything once you're registered with an electricity supplier in the Republic of Ireland, the credit automatically goes on to your bill, the same as what happened last year. The only difference to last year's credit and this year's credit is they have introduced a low usage threshold so that vacant houses are not getting the credit. Seemingly vacant houses did get the credit last year, but anyone with a low usage, which is I think it's less than 150 a kilowatt an hour, in the last four bills that they know that house is vacant. So they're not giving the credit uh, credit there. If you are a prepaid, you go with prepay electricity and a lot of people opt for that rather than have electricity bills uh, arrive in. Your supplier will contact you either by text, by email or on your top-up note to tell you that the credit has been applied. And most prepay electricity meters accept each of the €150 credits in full. Your supplier will will also give you specific instructions on how to redeem the uh, credits. And if you're in rented accommodation, uh, you are entitled to it as well. If you pay your landlord directly for your electricity rather than electricity supplier, then your landlord must pass that credit on to you. If somebody was asking also, can you switch and use the credit to pay a gas bill rather than an electricity bill? And unfortunately, you can't. These uh, credits can't be used towards a gas bill. The scheme was only was when it was introduced last year and again this year, it is for electricity. And I think the I think the theory behind it was that every house ha- is signed up for some kind of a utility company, whereas every household doesn't have a gas uh, connection. And uh, that's uh, that's the reason that they went with the electricity rather than with the gas. But you are due to get it. It is the 1st of December is the payment when the first of these credits are going to start arriving in people's accounts. €150 in December, €150 in January and €150 in uh, March. Uh, And I don't know why they've put the December and the January ones so uh, close because certainly this is just for for me with my billing cycle. My billing cycle runs across two years, if you know what I mean. I get a two-monthly bill and, and I will get a bill soon now for November yeah when November's finished I'll get a bill in December but then I get December and January's together oh yeah so the hundred sorry I'm, I'm talking to myself <laughs> okay anyway it's the first of December and um But for Jeannie, hang in there. If the bill doesn't have to be paid for three months, it is possible that the credit will go onto your account. But if not, it'll certainly come off at your next one. 0818103103. Hi, Patricia. I was listening to the TD who was James O'Connor, who spoke to us earlier about how in some cases in the town of Middleton, it seems to be more beneficial not to have house insurance, even though he was a pains to point out that everybody needs to, really does need to get uh, house uh, insurance. But this listener, Uh, says I can see the benefit of not having house insurance uh, because house insurance companies seem to go to the ends of the earth to find loopholes to avoid paying out on claims. 
as it is already government policy uh, to subsidise claims for businesses and homeowners affected, maybe it would be better for every householder to pay a nominal fee to them monthly instead of to insurance companies, i.e. pay it to the government, let the government set up some kind of a fund. The funds would be, would be there then when any property any property then could avail of when a disaster occurs. So get rid of the insurance companies is what this listener is saying and for the government to set up some kind of a scheme themselves. I don't know how people would feel about that. 0818 103 103 and wow, huge reaction to John O'Donovan who joined us who is very much against female boxers and the reason that he joined us to talk about it today was he was watching on the news uh, yesterday. There was a lot of press coverage of the Chantal Cameron versus Katie Taylor match which is happening this weekend and uh, John is completely against female boxers. Rose says people of a certain vintage will remember a gentleman who was called Cassius Clay and of course he changed his uh, name to Muhammad uh, Ali um, and he was probably one of the most world famous boxers. He ended up getting dementia didn't he in the end and people often wondered was it to do with all the, the boxes to the head that Muhammad Ali actually got during his time. Anyway, Muhammad Ali, when he retired from boxing, his daughter expressed an interest in going into female boxing. And according to Rose, she remembers Muhammad Ali being completely against the idea of his daughter getting involved. Now, Rose says she doesn't know for sure if Muhammad Ali's daughter did go on and take it up at some point, but she says it always stuck in her mind that somebody who made his fortune and made his fame out of the boxing ring did not want his daughter to go into the ring and uh, box. Somebody else says, Prisha, listening to John on your programme, he's so right about Katie Taylor. And I am a woman. God forbid that any daughter I have or any girl I know would want to take it up. I do not feel it is a sport. It is, according to this listener, a professional assault. How can that be a sport? To my mind, women should be ladylike. Is it not a sad mindset to want to get into a ring and hit somebody else? Good man, John, for highlighting this on your programme and for highlighting the diminished femininity in women and the aggression that goes with it. Martin Infomoy says, Patricia, all boxing is inhumane. It is a highly dangerous sport. Martin is with John. He doesn't like boxing. Ban it, ban it, ban it. There's enough fighting in the world as it is. And God knows, Martin, there is. I don't understand the whole thing of two people going into a ring and beating the living daylights out of each other while people watch on and they do it... uh, they do it for money or for whatever reason they do it for a mountain scratching his head. Cannot understand why anyone would get involved with boxing. And then Michael was listening to John and agrees and says, I have to say, I don't like boxing either. But I do think John comparing it to domestic violence is absolutely wrong. Those who are the victims of domestic violence are on the receiving end of that aggression and on the receiving end of that violence and bullying. They're not there by choice. Whereas those who get involved in boxing and decide to go into the ring, they do it willingly with full knowledge and full consent. There is a major difference there to compare the two situations. It's appalling, says Michael, and that's why I did make the point when John said it that it's, you know, Katie Taylor and Chantelle Cameron are two consenting adults, whether we like the idea of two 
young women getting into a boxing ring, they are consenting adults and there's nothing consenting about domestic uh, violence. Michael, you were so right. And then somebody else taking it from a female line says, no wonder there are girls in schools and after nightclubs and fellas behaving disgracefully with aggressive antics. When you have the likes of people like Conor McGregor and then from a female point of view, Katie Taylor and they, to a lot of young people, are seen as uh, role models. Are women ashamed to be feminine now? And why are they emasculating themselves? And would the would the, fem- would the feminine elegant ladies please start to speak up and be heard? We don't want the likes of them promoting our gender mascots. Uh, um, they don't do anything for our gender, says this. I'm assuming this is a female. Well, hang on. Katie Taylor, like, well, we mightn't, I, and I'm saying we because I'm, I'm one of the ones who don't like female uh, boxing. But, you know, when you listen to Katie Taylor, I mean, she's a wonderful young woman in the work that she does in her local community. I know she's a, she's very religious um, uh, as well. And you've never seen Katie Taylor get into any trouble outside of the ring. Conor McGregor, might be slightly different. He can be quite aggressive out of the ring as well, but you'll never hear anything about uh, Katie Taylor. And Katie Taylor works in, in communities, particularly uh, communities where there's a lot of, of, you know, social issues and poverty. And, you know, she's helping young girls and young boys as well. So there is, there, there is a side of, there is, you, you can't knock her as a role model because she is, a, you know, a role model, particularly for young girls growing up in inner city Dublin that don't see a lot of ways out for them and don't see a lot of role models who have, who have been born and raised in their communities. So from that point of view, you can't knock her uh, for being a role model. But it's just the whole issue of who, whether we see some people absolutely see boxing as a sport. Because if they didn't see boxing as a sport, we wouldn't be having all these events. There wouldn't be the money that's ploughed into them. There's a lot of people really enjoy it and do see it as uh, a sport. And someone else is, when you're questioning why they go into the ring and uh, do it, don't suppose this has anything to do with money, has it? I, yeah, I don't know what the fee the two girls are getting but I'm, I'm assuming that they are going to be well paid for it. Martin says you said earlier Patricia money rules the world it doesn't. It's greedy 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 people who rule the world it always has been and always will be that way. Well is that not the same thing that money uh, rules uh, the world? 0818103103 John Paul's taking your calls uh, we are in particular looking please for your pet questions because Jane Pickett will be joining us or you can text her WhatsApp it to 0862 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council reminding you to support local when choosing gifts this Christmas. Best of luck to everybody involved in a book launch in Donnerail, which is going to be performed by the one and only Marty Morrissey. It is a book of photographs entitled Donnerail Memories. It's happening in Springford Hall this evening at half past seven. And it is a book filled with photographs of Donnerail people and places from the 19th century going right up to the present day. It includes people from all walks of life, from the town and the countryside. Now, the book, by the way, will be available to buy this evening at the launch and then it will also be available in the local post office and shops in Donnerell. Kildallery Community Development, their weekly lottery draw this afternoon at four with a jackpot of €11,300. And the Sunshine Memory Cafe will take place in St Michael's Centre, South Main Street in Bandon this afternoon between three and five. The Sunshine Cafe promotes a safe, relaxed and friendly place to enjoy a chat, tea and a cake, 
and also take part in some light-hearted activities. Kayleigh Setts going ahead in the Marion Hall in Ballinhasic uh, tomorrow evening, Friday, half past nine, dancing to Jerry McCarthy. Uh, admission is €10 Euro, and that does include teas. And a festive fundraiser in aid of the wonderful West Cork Cancer Connect group will be held at the Four Alls Bar on Sam's Cross tomorrow night. The evening will start with a Christmas barbecue cookout. Then there's a trad session from 8pm to 10pm and that's followed by the Paddy Boys. Fancy dress and Christmas jumpers very welcome with spot prizes and raffles which will continue throughout the night. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie. Can you talk to me? Cork today on C103. And keep your questions coming in for Jane Pickett, our resident vet. Please, we're going to get to those in a moment, but I just want to go through uh, some of your texts and commentary uh, coming into the programme with a reminder, by the way, also when we were talking about the environment earlier, which we're doing our bit here in the programme with our Hours to Protect, which runs every Friday at 11.45. And tomorrow on Hours to Protect, we'll be speaking with a local business group who are encouraging people to turn Black Friday into Green Friday. How can you do that tomorrow? By shopping locally. Okay, some of your thoughts in on insurance policies when we were talking earlier and it just breaks my heart to think of businesses in Middleton who are fighting and struggling. These are people with insurance and of course because they have insurance they can't access the government's Red Cross scheme but they're having, they're facing problems trying to get the money from the insurance uh, companies. Um, somebody says, Patricia, shouldn't the government pay out straight away for all of this uh, flooding? At the end of the day we pay property uh, tax. Yeah, and you see there's two different schemes. There's the scheme for people who literally can't get flood insurance because they've been flooded before. But then there's others who are paying huge loading on their insurance policy in order to have flood cover. And they are the ones who are really, as we mentioned, they're stuck in limbo. They can't get the money from the government Red Cross scheme. And the insurance company are, you know, just delaying, delaying, delaying. I, I, it's not making any sense to me. Hi Patricia, in relation to insurance that you've been talking about today, I noticed the banks and insurance companies have started to use our air code detail. My problem with this is the details can be wrong. So if your house, for example, is called Daffodil House, on the air code it might come up as Tulip Fields and you can't change it. I told my insurance company that they now have my address wrong as the address on my air code is incorrect. They wanted €80 for a change to my policy just for them to change the address. Why can't we correct errors in air code? I I don't know and it's something we look into. I didn't realise there was that many errors. I'm assuming there isn't that many errors on uh, air code. Well, I'll see if we can find out because obviously it does happen. It's happened in your case. Uh, What happens if you have a problem with air code? How can you make sure that you get it right? Staying on insurance, Patricia, I can't get my head around insurance claims. We have those poor people down in Middleton that you spoke about earlier. Some of them, their cars, houses and businesses have all been destroyed. They are genuine cases and they need help and they need help ASAP. There are huge insurance payouts. We read about them every day in the paper when it comes to car accidents and medical negligence. And sometimes they are totally over the top. And yet here we have businesses who genuinely deserve to be paid out as quickly as possible. And it is not happening. It is completely wrong. 
Hi Patricia, this is unboxing. I don't agree with the boxing arguments. It isn't a sport I am into. But there are a lot of honest, decent people involved in boxing. And just because it's a tough sport, it doesn't create violence. A violent disrespect for people is a promote that themselves. Thanking you. Yeah, listen, I'm absolutely, <laughs> when I say, I just say I can't watch boxing. I'm not as a sport People see it as a sport. People are, and I, I do not take from how fit the people are and the the training that goes into for both the ladies and the men's when it comes to boxing. It's just not something that I can uh, watch. And Stephen wants to point out that Muhammad Ali's daughter did go into boxing against her dad's uh, wishes. And Stephen, a man in the know, said she was very successful. As far as as far as Stephen knows, she retired undefeated. I'll see if I can find out more about Muhammad Ali's uh, daughter. She seemed to have been uh, quite good at the uh, sport. Some of your uh, of your texts in on uh, boxing. Uh, hi, hi, Patricia. What are all What's going on with all this gender equality? Is it not up to women themselves whether they want to box or not? It's a sport. Sure isn't rugby nearly as bad as boxing when you look at all the injuries that rugby players receive. Remember, boxing clubs have saved some people in inner cities. They have. They absolutely have. Someone else says, if two people consent to do wrong together. How can that make it right concerning boxing? That that isn't to say that Katie Taylor isn't a very good person in uh, general and by all accounts she is. And Anthony says, listen, all physical sports carries some kind of danger, but boxing under rules is disciplined from a very young age as are other forms of defence and, and martial arts, etc. Aggression is a natural emotion in young people and all sports are trained. The sports discipline and they train that this aggression is used to some some sports discipline this aggression to a higher extent but it's under it's done under control so they can control their aggression which is very different to going out on the street full of drink or drugs and becoming aggressive it's very different whereas and certainly I would agree with you with martial arts uh, you know I wouldn't have known people over the years of black men in martial arts uh, who literally could kill somebody and would walk away um, they are the least aggressive people because they've learned how to control that aggression and obviously it is the same for professional boxers as well thank you for that and when we were talking about the energy credits and poor old genies in a bit of a a bit of a bind this morning because her electricity bill has come in and it is bigger than what the last bill was and she was banking on the €150 coming off this bill and there's no sign of the €150 credit and I was explaining to Jeannie she won't get it until the 1st of December and I was wondering would it automatically then go on to this bill for her and somebody's pointed out Michael saying it won't if we go by last year Michael says what happened last year with the energy credit it appears in the next billing cycle so for Jeannie whose bill is in which is covering her usage for October and November that €150 will go off her next bill which will be for December and uh, January and that's when she will get her first credit. That's the way it operated last year and it is looking like it will operate the same way uh, this this year as well. Thank you for that Michael. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Let's head to the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, where Jane Pickett uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Jane. Good morning, Patricia. And you're, you're very welcome to the programme. Let me get straight into uh, questions. This one, uh, now this is from Sheila. Hi, uh, Trish, question for Jane. I've got a four-year-old retriever 
who started jumping a six foot wall and chasing cars and basically annoying the neighbours. I, I want him to get as much fresh air as possible. So I don't want to shut him into the house all of the time. Is it illegal or is it cruel to think about putting a chain on him to a line post for a few hours a day when he's out in the garden? He would have access to shelter, etc. What is Jane's view on chaining up, uh, chaining a dog on a long chain in the garden? Mm, a little bit mixed. Um, obviously, we want to keep this pet safe and he's he's not safe if he's managing to to scale a six foot fence and go and chase cars and chase the neighbours. And, and that's a big concern, not only from the point of view of keeping your pet safe, but also for those using the road as well. So it's, it's not ideal. I understand it can be very frustrating. It sounds like it's quite a high wall. One would expect that most normal dogs would stay behind it, but not in this case. It seems like he's he's pulling some acrobatic feats. Um, as regards chaining dogs, look, there's a number of different views on this. I suppose all I can do is give my own personal view in this particular situation and every situation is a little bit different. I generally advise against it because usually if these if dogs are being chained, they're being chained and left unattended. And although a chain might seem quite safe, it's not. I've seen a lot of injuries for them over the years and they can be totally unintended. It's very simple, particularly if you have a dog that gets hit up or excited or is is running around to get themselves quite tangled and injure themselves um, in one of these chains or long lines. And particularly if you're in a situation where this dog is used to going out there and jumping over this high wall, you might get into a situation where they're chained to a solid object and they they don't realise, you know, until they're very used to it that, you know, they can't go any further. So he may attempt to scale that six foot wall attached to the chain and he could end up doing himself the world of damage and it could be very serious. So in my own personal opinion, I, I usually don't think it's the best idea unless it's very select cases. Now, look, there is a wealth of different opinion out there. It really depends. What I would say is that I know some some places that have high fences that dogs are still succeeding in, in getting over. One thing that you could potentially consider doing in a safe manner, and I'd probably get some kind of additional building or construction advice about this, would be if you can kind of cover over the wall a little bit for a few feet so that it essentially has like a mini roof so that the dog doesn't really have anywhere to jump to as it were um so some some places some purpose-built kind of dog facilities where they'd have quite large dogs will sometimes have a very high wall or a very high fence but also have kind of a shielded almost roof area so that they don't have anywhere to to get to they kind of can't jump over it physically unless they want to scale an additional few feet to get over a roof it sounds like quite an extreme situation but i think it's really important to keep this pet safe but also just to make sure that everybody in the locality is really safe as well i think it's a it's a very difficult one and i i suppose my own my own feeling on it would be i i don't really feel in most cases that chaining is a is a particularly safe practice yeah and i, and I know sheila said you know she wants them to get uh, fresh air now a four-year-old yeah. retriever that's a big enough dog, so I'm, I'm, I'm assuming he's getting enough walks in. It, it is okay for him to be indoors when he's not having his walks. Is it yeah, you could well be. That's the thing, if he's inside and secure. Um, I think, you know, our, our listeners dead, right? They need to get out and get fresh air. But, you know, as part of being a dog owner, we're kind of taking on that responsibility of bringing them for their walks, bringing them for kind of environmental enrichment and keeping their brains active. So each dog should have a, a good walk at least twice a day. But if they're getting that good walk twice a day and they have other socialization, whether it be with you or with other dogs, you know, them being kept securely inside in a safe area and um, perhaps with a toy to distract them whilst they would have been outside is, is perfectly OK. 
as long as they are mm. getting a good exercise. Yeah, because you'd, you'd worry about them chasing cars and you'd mm. uh, worry about them annoying the neighbours uh, as well. Mm-hmm. And while he's your much loved pet, not everyone, mm-hmm. people can be afraid of dogs. And I know we've dealt with that issue uh, before in the programme. And, 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 and they, you know, they, they're big dogs. They can knock somebody over, not even meaning to do it. But if, you know, if a big retriever comes bounding, you know, a small child or an elderly person can be knocked over. So, yeah. OK, good luck with that. And then a listener says, hi, I have a four month old Maltese who is obsessed with eating my other dog's poo. I've tried pouring lemon juice. I've tried pouring vinegar. I've even put hot sauce on the poo, but it's hard to find it all because it's in the leaves, covered under the leaves in the garden, particularly this time of the year. Now, she's on Burns Puppy Nuts, is otherwise healthy, full of energy. Is it just a phase and will it pass? Oh, it sounds like you've you've really tried a lot of things there. Um, it is a difficult situation and obviously it's not the nicest thing in the world to see one of our dogs eating another dog's poo. And it, I suppose if they get into the habit of doing that when they're out and about and they're a little bit older, they are at risk of kind of picking up diseases from other dogs' poo. Um, what I would say is first and foremost, people often ask me if they're eating other dogs' poo, are they lacking in something? Generally, no, as long as they're on a good quality puppy complete diet. Generally, it's not that they're lacking in anything. It's usually behavioural. For some reason, we don't really know why. Some dogs just get it into their head that they want to try the taste of other dogs' poo. Um, we will never understand it. But what I will say is that there is a solution, particularly if it's your other dog's poo that this puppy is eating consistently. There are products on the market I would suggest speaking to your local vet. Most vets would stock this or be able to get it in. There's a number of products. I know the name of the one that we stock here is a product called Copronil. Um, And essentially what it is, is you need to feed Copronil or the other brands available of it to your dog. Um, Not the dog that's eating the poo, but the other dog in the household who is producing the poo that then gets eaten by the puppy. And so what is it? Is it, really it like, horrible taste. is it like a powder or something, is it? It's a powder okay. and it will make that poo te- taste and smell terrible. <laughs> now, the poo eating might persist for a very short period, but in my experience, it's quite effective. Usually okay. a few poos that they've scoffed, they'll stop very quickly afterwards. You do need to continue it for quite a while, though, just to make sure that he doesn't realise that, oh, well, it tastes normal again. I'll go and have another snack on this. So you do need to persist with it for a good few months to break the habit. And it doesn't affect the dog who has to eat the copronol no no doesn't. Okay. now one thing i'd say is just if you have a dog that has a very sensitive tummy or any other ongoing medical issues just discuss it with your vet before you feed it to them but generally but it, it does work it well does work tolerated. and it's, it it's it is you know i know it's the young dog is only four months it is a habit but if you don't break the habit that's where you're in the danger of it persisting Absolutely. And yeah. I think you're in the perfect time to pick, to break that habit now because, you know, he's probably a younger puppy. They're very malleable. They're like sponges at this age. They learn very quickly. But also you're probably not going out and about a huge amount and socialising with lots of other dogs at this stage. And I think the difficulty comes when you have an adult dog who likes to eat other dogs poo and they're going out playing in the park with other oh. dogs. You can't, you can't control what the other dogs are being fed. You can't make sure they're fed that special thing to make it taste nasty. So it's a lot more difficult to break okay. the habit then. Apologies to anybody having their lunch. OK, uh, my Jack Russell says this texter, 14 years of age, is almost blind, but manages really well in his own environs. However, he shakes his head a lot. My vet says his ears are OK, had them checked. I take him for regular checkups, he gets his vaccines, etc. However, I find it distressing for him at times because he seems to be uncomfortable when he's shaking his head am I missing something or maybe it's something common in dogs of his age at 14 okay um so 
I think my first thought there would definitely be ear disease. So common things are common. Head shaking is commonly associated with kind of a discomfort in the ears. Now, it sounds like you've done all the right things here. You've taken your pet to the vet, you've raised your concern, it seems to be all clear. So that would rule out kind of the more common aspect of it. We can get slightly more unusual things to do with our balance system that might cause kind of head tremors. Um, but it doesn't sound like that's what's happening here. To be honest, what I'd probably suggest is if it's continuing for your pet and it's a let's say it's a consistent feature it's not just happening once in a blue moon it's happening every day for a period of time and and if he seems distressed by it you know pop back to your vet again let them know that the signs have continued you're really concerned and that you want to kind of escalate investigations for it and i think that happens all the time as vets you know a lot of the time we'll see a pet in here we'll do some initial initial investigations that would check for the common things pass them as clear but unless, let's say, a pet owner comes back and tell us, tells us, hey, like this is still going on, it's still bothering him, we won't know to be able to escalate that and dig into more diagnostics to try and help your pet out. So, so let your vet know, have a discussion with them. They might discuss other diagnostics. They might discuss looking for deeper ear disease. So sometimes we can get ear disease that's very deep within the ear that we wouldn't necessarily be able to see with the scope. Now, it's a lot rarer or not what we would think of initially, um, but it is possible. So just, I think, don't be afraid to raise it with your vet again. It sounds like there is something going on for this. And maybe video, video records when he's doing the head shaking. Would that help? Yeah, I think that's absolutely a great idea um, because certainly if it's if it's genuine head shaking, then that will kind of signal discomfort. But if it's more of a head tremor, which looks a little bit different in the eyes of a vet, then that leads us down a little bit of a diagnostic path. So yeah, for sure, sure that's a really, really okay. great idea. Oh, well, I know I've heard, I've heard you say it before, so it's, it's worth, yeah. worth people <laughs> videotaping it. Listen, have a great week and we'll chat to you next Thursday. You too. Thank Thanks you as Patricia. always. Bye bye. That is Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. Some of your comments, if I can get to them very quickly before I go. Here's a great one in on when we're the, the boxing debate. And should uh, ladies and females be boxing? Hi, Patricia. I actually share your views on boxing for men or women. I just simply can't watch it. Yeah, that's the camp I'm, I'm in. But this text says, I was therefore very much taken aback when my mum encouraged my brother to take up the sport and he attended the local uh, club where he developed his skills. Then one day some lads threatened him and just in a random confrontation, my brother shrugged in response to their aggression, feeling very confident in his ability to take care of himself. And he said to them, no bother if that's what you want to do, but you'll have to throw the first punch as I'm a trained boxer and I can only beat you up in self-defence. The lads stared at him in total shock and disbelief and get what? guess what? They scarpered as fast as their little legs could carry them. My mum said to me afterwards, you may think that encouraging him into boxing was madness, but you can see now that there was a method to the madness. My mum's wisdom. I should never have doubted her. Even as a non-fan, I can see the value in boxing training yeah and that's got a lot to do with the discipline and actually so many people have pointed that out where we mightn't like to watch two people inside in a ring beating what looks like the living daylights out of each other when there's huge discipline and training uh, behind it they know what they're doing okay and can I give a mention somebody sent this in earlier and I didn't get to it uh, when I was doing the community diary Uh, it's a Christmas market this is from James who says there's an event organised by Castle Lines Community Council and a taste of Cork and Waterford it's going on in Ballyvalan House in Castle Lines it's happening this Saturday from 2 to 7 
and again on Sunday between 1 and 6 it's 5 euro entry fee and the 5 euro entitles you to get involved in the raffle and that's all happening in it's a fundraiser for Castle Lines Community Council it is a Christmas market Ballyvillan House in Castle Lines and there's so many wonderful Christmas markets going on if there's one going on in your area please try to get to it because uh, it's all usually all local producers as well Okay, that's where I've got to leave you for now. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. We'll be back with you with Friday's edition of the programme tomorrow at 10 until then I'm Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 